Greetings, greetings, and welcome to the show. This is a Wrong Place or Right Crime. I am your host, Frank Zafiro, and this is an open and shut episode with Paul D. Marks. Paul is the author of, among other things, the award-winning novel, White Heat, uh, and I read that earlier this year, and I have to tell you, he, he does a great job of exploring a lot of social questions, uh, including but not exclusively racism, and uh, he does it all during the events uh, leading up to the uh, Rodney King riots in 1992, and continue through the riots into the aftermath, and he really captures what I can only imagine uh, is is the feeling of, of those uh, crazy events. So we're going to talk to Paul. But first, I want to let you know that Wrong Place Right Crime is proudly sponsored by Down and Out Books. Down and Out Books is a mid-sized publisher of crime fiction, most of it coming at the darker and grittier end of the spectrum. So if that's the kind of stuff you like, and if you're listening to this show, I suspect it is, then head over to downandoutbooks.com. That's downandoutbooks, all spelled out, dot com, and uh, check it out. Down and Out Books, take the journey with us. While you're there, hey, check out Eric Beatner's episode of A Grifter's Song. Uh, it's episode 10, entitled The Sound of Breaking Bones. It's the fourth episode of this season, season two. And you can pick it up uh, all by itself, or you can uh, buy a subscription to the season and read work from Eric Pruitt, uh, Awesome Maria Bradley, Holly West, uh, and the upcoming one from scott eubanks and the season finale that i wrote uh if you do subscribe you get a break on the pricing and a bonus episode and i can tell you that uh while last year's bonus episode gave you some extra details this year's bonus episode will feature some secrets and some different perspectives on some events you might otherwise have known so it's so it's worth picking up just for that of course i am a little bit biased uh, all right, let's uh, let's dive into our conversation with Paul D. Marks. Well, Paul, welcome to the show. Thanks, Frank. I'm glad to be here. Uh, you know, diving right into your work, your first book really did well. Your uh, White Heat uh, won a Seamus Award, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it did. I just recently read that, which you know, I'm a little bit late to the game, obviously. Uh, one of the things that struck me uh, about that book was just how well you seem to capture what I can only imagine the uh, Los Angeles riots uh, must have been. Well, one of the things that uh, I find really pleasing about the book is that even though it deals with a very tense subject, people who were in the thick of it, whether they were civilians or the police, have both sides told me uh, that they thought that I captured it really well. And so that, of course, made me feel really good because I want people to get the feeling of the tension and, and how frightening it would be to be there. So, yeah. I came on the job in 93 and, uh, you know, way up in Spokane, Washington, we were feeling the aftermath of, of what happened in Los Angeles because obviously the larger cities, you know, uh, kind of set trends and, and certainly on the West Coast, Los Angeles is, is uh, the big dog. Um, why, what made you want to set a, a book in that particular time frame? Well, there's a couple of different reasons. One of them is that um, I kind of wanted to examine things that were happening in today's society, but through the prism of the past. I think if you 
look at some of the issues going on today about race, racism, things like that, it's easier to um, judge them or, or get a perspective on them by looking at things that happened in the past. So by setting it in 1992 during the Rodney King riots, I can sort of talk about what's happening today, but with a little bit of distance that hopefully gives a little bit more objectivity. And on top of that, I lived through it. So it was something that was, uh, you know, touched me. Your narrator um, is a white guy, and uh, I wouldn't call him liberal by any means, but he seems like a pretty open-minded guy, pretty, like, you know, grounded sort of guy. And uh, he experiences uh, racism from a lot of different perspectives, a lot of different directions during the course of this book. Well, that's one of the things that I wanted to show is um, it's kind of like when you're on a high school debating team or something and you want to show all sides of the issue. So the main character is Duke Rogers, a private investigator, and he has a partner, Jack, and Jack is a very un-PC or unpolitically <laughs> correct person. Yeah, and he's, he's pretty ridiculous in a... <laughs> And not in a bad way, but I mean, well, in a bad way, but not not poorly shown. Well, I'm, I'm trying to show both sides of, of the issue, you know, and, and the way I kind of look at Duke and Jack is I don't know if you remember the old cartoons where you would see uh, uh, somebody with an angel on one shoulder and mm -hmm. a devil on the other shoulder. And Jack mm -hmm. is kind of the devil on Duke's shoulder. And, mm -hmm. and so Duke has to try to be the better nature and the more, as you say, grounded person, but he's dealing with Jack. But the other thing with Jack is that even though he says the wrong thing much of the time, he does the right thing. Mm -hmm. And I found that a lot of people from all different backgrounds really like Jack. I, I was surprised to tell you the truth, but after the book came out, I got a lot of feedback and everybody really seems to like Jack. Yeah, he's one of those characters that, uh, because he's uh, so uh, firmly ensconced in a particular type, he is really who he is, and I think people are drawn to that. And, and people seem to be drawn to characters who are very confident in who they are, and, and Jack is most definitely that. He is that, and I think the other thing is, um, I think Jack says things that a lot of people think, but are too sensitive or too afraid to say so jack is kind of like the unbridled uh you know thoughts that some people have mm -hmm. well and even duke he he doesn't uh, give anybody a pass uh there's a, a woman in the book that he gets involved with and she has a brother who essentially is the black version of jack i think you could say and he pretty much holds him to the same standards he holds jack to well, he, he is. He's the brother of the murder victim, and um, he is supposed to be kind of the opposite coin of Jack, you know, to show the other side. And what, what happens in the story is Duke inadvertently gives information to somebody who kills a, a young upcoming black actress. And it's kind of inspired by Rebecca Schaefer, who, if mm -hmm. you remember, was murdered by a fan. And in the process of that, he goes down he wants to make amends for his inadvertent role in that and 
he goes down to South Central where her family is and he meets her family. He gets involved with her sister and her brother is the other side of Jack. And he does, we, we see racial tension from all perspectives and, you know, it's something that they all have to deal with and learn to deal with and, and kind of learn to come together because they all find themselves in the middle of the Rodney King riots and uh, everybody wants to come out in one piece. Uh, one of the things about Duke is, you know, you mentioned he's, he's dealing with guilt. Uh, and so this is, you know, a little bit of a redemption uh, attempt on his part. But because he doesn't tell anybody uh, what he did and because he is kind of trying to cover it up at the same time he's trying to make it right they are they're just uh, are lies upon lies upon lies throughout this book that are taking place that are you know that complicate matters well you know like i say he he he's a private investigator so somebody came to him claiming to look for an old high school friend who turns out to be this actress so duke takes the guy's money, doesn't even get his information, his name, you know, because he figures it's something he can do real quickly, and he does. He gives the information to the guy. The guy ends up killing the young actress, and then, yes, Duke feels guilty, so he wants to redeem himself. And, I, you know, I think he feels too guilty or too ashamed, even though he didn't do anything on purpose, he feels too guilty to tell people. He certainly doesn't want to tell the young actress's family because, you know, he figures that will taint their view of him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he avoids telling the police as well, which creates another problem for him. Uh, but he soldiers on throughout all of this. He never he never gives up, and that's kind of, a, uh, I think, a trait that uh, anyone could admire. Well, he does. He's he's he does soldier on, and he wants to do the right thing, and he wants to make atonement for what he did, and try and right the situation. But he, at the same time, has to live with, you know, his part in it, and so he does what he can to make good on that. Well, I really enjoyed this book. It was uh, uh, one that I, I burned through pretty quickly, and it actually jumped the stack on the TBR uh, list uh, to get read as quickly as it did. Um, I just thought that the the way that you portrayed all of the characters and how you showed all of the different perspectives is something you don't see as often as maybe we should. We tend to just see, you know, one perspective explored very deeply instead of you know multiple perspectives you know shown in a very nuanced fashion so uh, i can see why you won the award and and it did it won the Seamus, right yes it did and uh you know that's that's kind of what i wanted to do i wanted to make it multi-layered and complex and uh, you know like real people well now there is a sequel uh, i have not read that one yet it's called broken windows which uh, is an allusion to uh, broken windows theory which for those out there who don't know what it is maybe you could uh, you could tell them well broken windows theory is where if you fix the little problems in a neighborhood like broken windows supposedly the bigger issues will not be as big so what happens in 
broken windows is we we meet duke again and he's still dealing with his guilt from what happened in the white heat story three things happen that set the story off a young woman jumps to her death from the hollywood sign i'm not giving anything away because that happens in the first few pages a disbarred lawyer puts an ad in a local paper that says we'll do anything for money and so you know something's going to come from that (laughs) and (laughs) yeah And there's the murder of an undocumented immigrant day laborer. So those three things are the three things that set off the the story in Broken Windows. Which is set when? It's set two years after White Heat in 1994. um, We had a proposition in California, Proposition 187, that was uh, the quote-unquote Save Our State initiative that was a very anti-illegal immigrant initiative that would have denied them lots of services and things like that. So while White Heat is set during the Rodney King riots, Broken Windows is set during this uh, debate over um, the Prop 187, and that interweaves into the story because, as I say, one of the things that sets the story off is the murder of a illegal day laborer, undocumented day laborer. And uh, how Duke gets involved and why it's Broken Windows is because the day laborer who's killed is the brother of the housekeeper who lives down the street from duke and he sees her every day when he's walking his dog and so she gets him involved in the case and in a sense it's his broken window to fix and it's also a way to help atone for what happened in white heat so it's it's you know multi-layered what's going on there Well, you tackled racism in White Heat, but you really kind of dropped the ball here with broken windows because, I mean, immigration isn't an issue anymore. We never (laughs) talk about that. (laughs) Never talk about that in the news. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's what I figured, you know, it'd be something that would be safe to talk about. uh, You know, there's there's certainly no heat on that. (laughs) But Uh, And Prop 187 was defeated, correct? No, it won by a big margin, but what happened is that um, it lost in the courts. It was taken to court, and uh, it was kind of uh, taken apart in the courts piece by piece, but it Mm. won big here. Wow. Well, California has changed a lot since then. But again, you know, it's, it's I'm trying to do kind of the same thing with White Heat, you know, where you look at today's issues through the prism of the Mm -hmm. past get a little more perspective on them and so much like in white heat you explore the different viewpoints the uh uh, of the issue uh nobody comes off unscathed (laughs) there's everybody uh it, it deals with um you know all the different people or groups that have uh something to gain by either being for or against the immigrants Mm -hmm. and nobody comes off uh you know, without a scratch. You know, circling back to White Heat for a second, while we we're talking about it, I was, uh, you know, I was thinking about how I enjoyed uh, Duke's particular, uh, his wry sense of humor and, and how he interacted with Jack in particular. Uh, there's a scene in there where the two of them end up in a bar uh, and they are the only white boys in the bar. Uh, I won't give away any more than that, but uh, it is an extraordinarily tense scene and the way that you resolved that was... Uh, I thought particularly um, inventive. Well, thank you. I'm, I appreciate hearing that. You know, we, we want to do things 
that are dramatic, but also at the same time be realistic. And I won't say that I don't stretch reality sometimes to make a dramatic point, but I try to keep things as real as possible. Uh, there's one other book I want to get to, um, but uh, there are a couple of quick things I wanted to touch on first. Uh, one is that you do some blogging at Seven Criminal Minds. I do blogging there, and I also do blogging at Sleuthsayers. And believe me, um, when I have three blogs to do in a month, and sometimes four, uh, you sit there. One of the things I like about blogging at Seven Criminal Minds is that the questions are put there for you. So you don't have to come up with ideas because at the other one, I'm constantly having to come up with ideas. And uh, after doing that for a couple of years, you sit there and you you just rack your brain. What can I do that's new? Sort of uh, have to recycle things or something. Uh, You you find little corners of something and and Mm -hmm. expand on them, maybe. Uh, And then the... uh... Other thing I wanted to touch on is you, you don't just work in novels. You also do some, some short story work. Yes, I've uh, done a lot of short stories and uh, been very lucky in that, too. Uh, tell me about the Coast to Coast uh, anthologies. Well, we have uh, two that have been published. Uh, one is Coast to Coast Murder from Sea to Shining Sea. That's what it is. And the other one was... Um, coast-to-coast private eyes, and uh, we gathered a bunch of people, and basically we have stories that go from uh, the West Coast to the East Coast, and they're not interrelated other than by the basic theme of the story. We have a new one coming out. I'm not sure exactly when, but we've got all the stories in for it, which will be coast-to-coast noir, but I'm particularly Mm -hmm. proud of uh, coast-to-coast private eyes because it was nominated for 14 awards and uh, over several different stories and won a bunch of different awards, too. And two of the stories in it were selected for the Best American Mysteries of 2018. So I was really happy with that one. And uh, if I can toot my own horn, one of my stories was one of those stories that was uh, accepted or, or selected for the Best American Mystery Stories, which was a dream come true for me. Was that Windward? Yeah, it was. What was that story about? Windward is one of the main streets in Venice, California, Venice Beach. And it's about a PI who has a little office there. And his office is on top of an old 1950s bomb shelter. So he lives in the bomb (laughs) shelter below his office. And (laughs) That's, That's cool. He's a guy that used to do surfing and things like that. And he likes to hang at the beach, but he hasn't done any of that in a long time. And So the question is, will he get back to that? And into his office walks some Hollywood producer who claims his wife is missing, and that sets that private detective, whose name is Jack Lassen, off on his journey. And it doesn't exactly turn out the way he thought it would. I'll have to check that one out. And I definitely want to give Broken Windows a read. But there's another book that you've got coming out that is a bit of a departure that sounds pretty interesting, too. And that is uh, The Blues Don't Care. Uh, Yeah, The Blues Don't Care. It's coming out on June 1st. And I'm really excited about it. I hope a lot of people will want to check into it. It is a little bit different. Um, It takes place on the Los Angeles home front during World War II, and a lot of it takes place on Central Avenue, which was kind of the hub of black life in L.A., 
And there's a couple of particular locations that it takes place at there. One is the Dunbar Hotel, which in the old days when black people could not stay at white hotels or in most hotels in the city, uh, they would stay at colored only, quote unquote, hotels. And the Dunbar was the most famous in Los Angeles. Lots of uh, name stars, black stars would stay there. And next door to the Dunbar was the Club Alabama. There were several jazz clubs along Central Avenue, but the Club Alabama was the most famous. So the character in uh, The Blues Don't Care, Bobby Saxon, is a young white guy who wants to play with the house band at the Club Alabama. So he goes down and he wants to audition. And to make a long story short, what happens is they do let him sit in, but in order to get a permanent gig with the band, there's a murder, and one of the band members is accused of that murder. And because Bobby is white, the band leader wants Bobby to travel through the white society to try to find out who really killed him because they know that the band member didn't. So in order to get the gig with the band, Bobby has to find out who the real murderer is. So it's it's a mystery, and again, it deals with issues that were happening at that time. It takes place or around the time, not quite exactly as the Zoot Suit riots, which were a little bit earlier, I think. And I really enjoyed doing the research for it, not the, you know, the bad parts, but I love the music of that era. I love the movies of that era. I know it wasn't any fun to really live during the Depression and World War II, but there's something about that era that I do like. Blows your mind, though, doesn't it, that there were something, you know, there there was something like a, a colored-only hotel or, or you know, colored-only restrooms. When, whenever I see that, it just, uh, I, I, it's hard to uh, conceptualize. It is hard to believe, and I had occasion a couple of weeks ago to reread the first few chapters of this book for something and i gotta tell you i wrote it and i felt really uncomfortable reading some of the things that happened because of that i mean you know we've come a long way since then but it it is it's very it's hard to believe that you know things were like that and that that that's how things had to be Mm -hmm. and even reading my own book and knowing what it was about and what happened, I still got this weird feeling. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, um, you know, my my wife teaches uh, middle school uh, English, and they they read To Kill a Mockingbird. But before they ever get to that, she does some contextual, almost little mini history lesson on what was going on during that time period, both when the book was written and when it's set, and. Uh, you know, some of these kids, they you, you might as well be describing a science fiction setting to them because the, the ideas of what was actually happening are so foreign. And, uh, you know, when they find Tom Robinson guilty in the book, you know, spoiler alert if you haven't read it, um, <laughs> they're, they're just incensed because it's so obvious that he isn't guilty. Well, I, I think, you know, it, it was a different world, so to speak. And um, 
you know, a lot of bad things were happening at that time in, in terms of uh, the culture and that kind of stuff. I mean, there was some good stuff, like I say, like the music and that kind mm-hmm. of thing. But, yeah, the idea that, that people had to stay in certain hotels and couldn't stay in other hotels, you know, it, it, it does show you that we may not be where we want to be yet, but we've come a long way from where we were. And... Uh, it is uncomfortable, and I, I have, I guess what you would call, I call it an author's note, but I guess you could call it a trigger warning at the beginning of all of the <laughs> Because yeah. some people do find the language uncomfortable, and um, somebody just asked me the other day if I could recommend one of my books to their 14-and-a-half-year-old grandson, and I said, well, you know, I'm not sure this is right for somebody that young. And then I went on to explain why. And she said she'd get back to me. So I'm still waiting to hear. <laughs> I might be a bit young. Well, you know, there is a theme here, it would seem, in all three of the books we've discussed. And that is that uh, idea that you talked about viewing what is happening today through the lens of, of history. I mean, you went back into the nineties for the Duke Rogers books, but now you're all the way going all the way back into the 1940s and, and the effect is still the same. Well, yeah, I, I do like the idea of being able to, you know, show things. Uh, Camus, you know, who wrote the stranger said, fiction is the lie through which we tell the truth. <laughs> and that's kind of how I see my books, but my, you know, I want to entertain these stories are all, mystery thriller stories Mm -hmm. you know they all have uh you know action and things happening but within the context of the real world i wanted to set them in a world that really existed not some fantasy world of the past that you see through rose-colored glasses where everything is beautiful and you know Mm -hmm kind of like uh, when the Wizard of Oz goes from black and white to color and it's all these beautiful colors and everything. You know, so I want the stories to be set in in a real world and sometimes the real world is not real pretty. Well, I can attest that you accomplished the uh, telling of a great mystery uh, with white heat, so I have no reason to believe that it uh, wouldn't be the same in Broken Windows and I'm looking forward to to the Blues Don't Care. It'll be a, a nice departure. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Well, Paul, I want to tell you thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, and I appreciate being here, and uh, I'll see you on Seven Criminal Minds. (laughs) You bet. (laughs) Well, there you are, folks. Uh, A pretty interesting conversation with uh, Paul. A nice guy and had some interesting thoughts. And and if you haven't read White Heat, I would definitely recommend it. Uh, Of course, he's got the new one coming out, The Blues Don't Care, and I'm looking forward to that as well. Uh, I'm also looking forward to the next episode of Wrong Place, Right Crime, and uh, we're going to talk to uh, James Latwell in that uh, episode. Uh, Not just a nice guy, but he's a really smart guy, uh, and I think you'll enjoy the conversation that we had. Uh, That's next episode on Wrong Place, Right Crime. I'd like to say thanks to uh, Paul for coming on the show and to Down Out Books for being a great sponsor. And as always, to you, the listener, for firing up this podcast and giving it a listen. I hope you check out Paul's work. Uh, and uh, we will talk to you next week with James Latwell. Until then, this is Frank Zafiro reminding you that sometimes you got to be in the wrong place. <laughs>